Howard's going to be on our podcast. That's pretty exciting. That is exciting. Okay. But will he answer? Hey, um, we are having a slight podcast emergency. Do you have like five minutes that you could come back and check out this audio situation? Are you in the studio? I'm in the, uh, the recording studio. The audio recording area? Yeah. Yeah, I'll come back. Thanks. Bye. Weatherman, weatherman, we can't allow any further delay. So stop your waiting. Hey everyone, thanks for joining us for another episode of the Fox 12 Weather Podcast. This is episode 90. Today is Wednesday, February 21st. I'm meteorologist Jeff Orgeron, joined by Camilla Ortiz. Hey, Camilla. Good morning. And chief meteorologist Mark Nelson. Hey, Mark. Good morning, everybody. Guys, we had some um, some hefty showers out there this morning. Yeah. Oh, I didn't look at the radar yet. I just woke up. I put a, a nice loop on Twitter X. Twitter X. You can yeah. check it out, Mark. It'll Formerly known nice. as X. Did they? Twitter. Well, no. they must have stopped. Well, is it? Yeah, they stopped, right? Well, showers, Slow you down. know how they go. Yeah, they, yeah, they... yeah, yeah. On and off. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> Bro rugs, not wall-to-wall carpeting. I feel like it's yes. going to be a silly, goofy energy kind of podcast today. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what folks don't know is we spent like a half hour figuring out our sound issues. Yeah. So now we're wide awake. We all blamed. Well, initially the blame was on me. Then I blamed Mark. But it, yeah, it was actually, actually it was all Camilla's fault. Yeah, I know. So. Yeah. Didn't I blame my wife at one point, too? You did. Now like, I'm we really, that. we cast a wide net with this one. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. What is the track. plan for today? Yeah, let's, we've got some good stuff that we're going to be talking about. We're going to do a checkup on El Nino, see how the boy is doing. Um, we're going to check his, his temperature. What? You know what I mean. Oh, El Nino, I get it. Okay. Come on. Yeah, no, um, we are, we're getting some signs that we may be exiting an El Nino pattern. We'll talk more mm-hmm. about that coming up. Um, our mild February continues. So we're going to go over some of the temperature, the numbers, the temperatures rather. And we'll also take a look at some of the um, water year numbers, a, a checkup on that. Exciting. Um, we're entering. Yeah. <laughs> Extremely exciting. Yeah. Um, what isn't here? Right. Um we're also going to go over a cooler pattern that's going to be setting up Sunday into Tuesday-ish. Um, significantly lower snow levels. Oh. Major mountain snow on the way. And that should improve some of the numbers in terms of the Oregon Mountain snowpack. And we'll kind of brush on the potential for some lowland snow. It's not looking, it's not looking great, but there is a chance. So you're saying there's a chance. There always oh. is. You're saying there's a uh, chance. <laughs> A little Lloyd Christmas action there. And then um, we'll also talk about some late season snow stats. You know, every day that goes by as we inch towards spring, uh, the chances of lowland snow are dwindling. This is Mark's favorite subject. He's getting closer to the fork. <gasps> right? Yep. It's getting close. It's about time because I don't think yeah, last year, last year you didn't use the fork, did you? I didn't use the fork because what it was, was traumatized. the issue? Because the year before, because Mark the, yeah, went on vacation. He, yeah. he took the took the fork and showed it everywhere. Got and then, burned by the fork. <laughs> I don't remember everywhere. where you went. Flashed you, it around. You went somewhere <laughs> warm. And then we got snow in April. And everybody yeah. blamed Mark. And so the next year, he didn't bring out the fork because he didn't want people to get mad at him. Yeah. Right. It was at La Nina years are tough. 
because I think we kept having close calls in, in early March last year. And once we hit early March, I don't remember what the issue was. It was, I'll admit, it's far enough back in time. We can talk about it now. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, it, well, I was partly traumatized by that, but I really got, well, we can talk about this later, but I got tired of people saying, it snowed in April, it's still winter. It's like, well, that's not winter. If it's hot in May, is it summer? Yeah. If it snows in November, is it winter? No, it's late fall and it snowed. Yeah. So there. This is definitely a Markism or like pushing Mark's buttons. An issue. Yeah. Pushing yeah. my buttons, that's for sure. Yeah. yeah okay, let's not get into that. Okay. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. Well, let's move on. We'll get to yeah, that. Yeah, let's move on. Yeah. Um, we struck a chord. Let's yep. talk about El Nino here. Okay. So obviously we are in an El Nino phase. Um, mm-hmm. But last week we touched on Noah, I think, issuing a La Nina right. watch. There is and, a La Nina watch out officially for this summer. Okay, so Mark has some of the uh, O&I uh, numbers in front yep. of us. By the way, for those that are not watching the podcast, that are listening in the car or, you know, in the in the yard, who, wherever you listen, um, there are a lot of numbers on the screen. Mark is really going to help to break those down. Mm-hmm. So go ahead, Mark. So this is just historical El Nino and La Nina episodes categorized by the Oceanic Nino Index, which is a three-month running mean of sea surface, temp- sea surface temperature anomalies in the Central Pacific, uh, Tropical Pacific. And uh, anytime you have a minimum of five consecutive overlapping seasons. So basically each of those, let's just go to this. The most current one is with my pretty arrow. I tried to squeeze in the, the, the blue arrow there. You're going to see more of these Mark annotations, folks. So hang on. Um, November, December, January, the three-month average was a plus 2.0 which is uh, uh, the plus 2.0. That means that's in um, the strong El Nino category. If you get five of these overlapping seasons, can you see my cursor? I think you can, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. If you have one, two, three, four, five, that is considered an El Nino episode. All right. If it's just two, let's see. Uh, are there some here that are, is there one that uh, plus, oh, here. Uh, in this year, 2019, 2020, that was almost El Nino. The positive numbers are when we're in El Nino, the negative are La Nina. And uh, in 2019, 2020, see, there was a plus 0.5, one, two, three, four. If there would have been one more, that would have been category, cate, categorized as a El Nino winter, which just tells you a lot of this is kind of man-made, the thresholds, you know. So, um, but it was not. But well, now wait, we've hold been on. In... Oh, I do have a, que- I have a question. So, I mean, I'm yep. seeing five positive numbers in a row, but do they have to be above a certain threshold? 0.5. Oh, 0.5. Okay. Got it. 0.5 or minus 0.5, like here with La Nina. Got it. Yep. So they have to be, uh, uh, what if the, what if we would have made, what if Noah would have made the threshold 0.4? Yeah. So you you can see how it's like, wait, was 2019, 2020 an El Nino or not? Well, only because it almost was an El Nino. So we have to remember that, but notice it's very strong, uh, but it's beginning to weaken. And here are model predictions just for comparison, this is that that uh, three point three dot four area in the Central Pacific that is often used for the for the categorization of the uh, Oceanic Nino Index. Zero is just per- perfectly normal, about average. Once you get above plus point five up in here, this is actually a, a for, uh, forecast from this point forward. Um, uh, up in here is El Nino. Down in here is La Nina observed and observed over here, forecast over here. And this is many different models from mid-February here. In fact, this is pretty fresh information. Notice all models in general bring us back into neutral territory heading into late spring. And most of them bring us into La Nina or or neutral 
heading into late summer and fall. All right. So another way to break that down from NOAA, their official ENSO probabilities, which is El Nino Southern Oscillation. It's this oscillation, you know, back and forth in the southern oceans. Um, but you can see how the blue, which is La Nina, the chance of La Nina does go up dramatically as we head into summer and then summer into fall. And the chance of El Nino coming back after this appears to be minute. You see the, the red. Hey, Mark. Uh-huh. Um, we've talked about this way back when on the podcast, and I can't remember exactly when it is, but these long-range computer models, don't they mm -hmm. have a blind spot at a certain time of year? Right, the, the spring forecast barrier, which is uh, pretty much from like now through May or June, there is a known issue. They just There's a problem with the transition from um, spring into summer. But it's interesting that all models are showing pretty much the same thing. It, yeah. yeah. So we do have to be careful in the springtime. I mean, starting now through June, you know how it's showing a strong La Nina. Maybe in the end, it's only a neutral year coming up next fall and winter. Well, and that is probably why this is, I mean, this is very um, likely why this is a La Nina watch. I mean, it's obviously very early, but similar to weather, if we were to see the possibility of snow coming, Mm -hmm. the Cascades, significant snow, they would the weather service would issue a winter weather watch as opposed to a winter storm warning. So right. eventually, once the confidence grows, then they'll upgrade that to a La Nina warning. They will. Right? La Nina notice advisory. That, yeah, notice that um, now this these these categorizations only go back to 2011 here, this chart. I can't show it all, you know, on, on a graphic, but um, the, the um, detailed numbers go all the way back to 1950. And what's most common is when we, we often go from El Nino straight back to a La Nina. I don't think there are as many years like this one where we go from El Nino one winter <clears throat> to a, a neutral year the next year. So it would not be a surprise if we go back into a La Nina. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's early. So that's kind of the plan. Um, how does that affect our springtime? Mm. Noah thinks there's a decent chance that March, April, May, on average, will be above average. Uh, better, cha uh, greater chances we're going to be above average than below, and greater chance for a little drier than normal spring as opposed to a wetter than normal spring. This doesn't mean just because it's the red. That doesn't mean oh my gosh, it's going to be a hot April and May. That just means there are greater chances that it'll be warmer than normal than below normal. Right. Whereas La Nina springs tend to kind of drag on colder, whether they're dry or not or wet. They tend to be colder. So this is probably one of those years where there's a lesser chance of like, um, I remember this is a clear one in the Hood River Valley, the big fruit growing region where the blossoms come out in April. La Nina years are bad. There's a better chance for frost in those mm. years it's, that can kill the blossoms if it's cold enough. In El Nino Springs, it seems to be a lesser chance of that happening. But at the same time, this could also mean that if we have a healthy snowpack in March, April, mm -hmm. May, we could see it diminish quickly if we do end up seeing, could. you know, significant heat early right. in the season. So true. Yeah. So that's your El Nino checkup. So we may be headed towards La Nina next year. As for summer, people say, how does this affect our summer? I think there's very little, there's very little positive correlation with El Ninos and La Ninas in summertime, as far as I'm aware, watching it all these years. That being said, I think considering we're in this El Nino, I think for a while, for months now, climate scientists have been predicting that 2024 would be the warmest on record. Yeah. I mean, the whole planet's pretty warm. Yeah. Yeah. So. Pretty warm. Very warm. Yeah. All right. Um, we are now three weeks into February. We're recording this on the 21st, so we technically haven't seen how today will exactly play out, but it's showery. We're probably going to end up in the low 50s. Here's a look at... Um, Elicit the high temperature so far through the 20th, and you can see that we're seeing more red on the graphic than mm -hmm. blue. 
Um, and I love this graphic. The, the red line that you're seeing here tells you roughly where our high temperature should be. And the blue line indicates roughly where the low temperature should be. And um, I mean, you guys, what are the first things that jump out to you when you look at this? Oh, this is like when Professor Jeff says to the class, Camilla, like, what do you see? What's interesting what here? And you see? wonder if you're going to see the same interesting thing that he sees. So, Camilla, you go first. Yeah. You're always like the student that was probably right in front of the class. Oh, you're actually right. Yeah, you, you got me on that one. I was in the back. Lazy. <laughs> I was raising my hand for everything. Huge nerd. Um, I, yeah, definitely seeing tons of <laughs> warmer than average high temperatures. Uh, and low temperatures, those are significantly higher for the most part than that blue line, too. Look at those lows. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And how many frosts? One. Yeah. 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 31. That's pretty amazing in midwinter. I mean, it, El Nino winters, though, that's pretty classic. Mm-hmm. Just not much freezing at night. Right. Everybody there, just... I see like a cat. There's a cat back there. Yeah. He's, oh, yeah. He's, you know how they talk to the birds, and I, I can kind of hear him. Hopefully, Actually, it's not coming through. Did he meow earlier? I think I did hear him. He did. He's needy. He's like a, he's like a dog. I shouldn't have looked at him because now he's kind of. At least he doesn't bark. Sorry, that was my bad. I was like, something's moving back there. I did. This is crow. important. You know, if if you listen to our podcast, I I only listen to it because I just listened to it on the way to work. Of course, we have the the video form that Jeff is mentioning. You know, mm-hmm. it's better to watch it for all these graphics and mm-hmm. you watch it online or on YouTube weather page kptv.com slash weather but i noticed when i listened to it the last few weeks do you guys hear that there's like a squeaking like a, a little like squeaking noise and i'm like what is that and i finally realized it was my chair my office chair so i've switched the chair and i'm trying to absorb any movement in my in my torso so that i do not make any squeaks you need some below. lumbar support better <laughs> posture i've been working on the core so the cat is gone now and it's not squeaking hopefully so we're going to be all good so we can good. continue on Good. Um, I decided to bring in some water year graphics. So for review, water year starts October 1st and it lasts until September 30th. And um, this just gives us an idea of how we're doing in terms of total precipitation. And I pulled the numbers for Portland and for Salem. And I think at the last check, which was a month or so ago, the numbers were doing really well. I think we were over six inches in a surplus um, for Portland. We're now down to five, about five and a half, five and three quarters of, a, uh, of an inch. So we're doing really well still. Uh, that being said, February has been slightly below normal um, for this by this time in the month. And in Salem, we're seeing the surplus of about two inches uh, since the start of the water year. So, you know, there's always concern in El Nino winters that we're going to be below normal on precipitation. They tend right. to be on average warmer than normal, which has happened. And drier than normal. But I think we mentioned this back in, in the fall with all those El Nino graphics that strong El Ninos, we tend to get a little more of that subtropical jet more often over us. I remember this from several past El Ninos, and we can be wetter than normal in an El Nino year, just warm and wet, which is what we've had. Perhaps wetter than normal and not seeing a great snowpack with higher snow levels predominantly in the wintertime. That can happen. Right. Um, so we're entering this cooler and wet pattern, certainly starting Sunday into Monday. But it looks like we could have another wave coming in Tuesday into Wednesday. Right now, by the way, guys, our first alert weather day for the Cascades is set up for Monday. I almost moved it to Tuesday. I'm going to let you guys mm-hmm. kind of see how the afternoon models play out, you know, morning and afternoon models. And um, we may we may switch those. I think between the, the general messages between Sunday and Wednesday, a lot of snow is coming to the Cascades. And we're going to have a much lower snow level. And I... 
one of my favorite graphics, our winter <clears throat> forecasting rules here. Um, mm -hmm. Kind of highlights when we're certain days out, what kind of details we should be um, getting from our computer model outputs. So when we were in the seven to 10 day window, we were seeing something's up in the, that, you know, the extended outlook. Something colder is coming. We can clearly see lower snow levels. Um, we don't know exactly how it's going to play out. Now that we're in that five to seven day window, um, it looks like it's going to be more of an onshore flow event as opposed to this cold, frigid east wind coming through the gorge and right. freezing our surfaces. Um, and with more of that onshore flow and low snow level type of pattern, this reminds me a lot of late winter, early spring, wet snow, wintry mix type of deals in the lowlands. I agree. Are we I, showing I think any? Are we Go showing ahead. any sort of jet stream? I don't want to get ahead of any oh, graphics. Camilla, of course we are. <laughs> okay, I'll wait then. I'll wait. This is actually this is really fun because Camilla, uh, it, it, like Camilla, we're recording this on Wednesday morning. This is your Monday, more or less, because in TV everybody has different days off. So you yes. haven't really looked at anything. So you're coming in, coming in fresh. So we're going to educate you here. I'm coming in cold. Yeah, coming cold. Yeah, nice. this will be fun okay. to see what oh, I what I saw on Sunday compared to now. Um, I almost slightly out of order, but that'll work. Well, I just almost left this out. I was thinking we've showed the snowpack quite a bit lately. And the big, the big thing, the big message was that our snowpack was below normal across most of the state of Oregon and certainly up into Washington, but Looks things, pretty have good. Really, things have improved quite a bit in the past week. And considering the snow forecast for the Cascades oh, Sunday yeah. Wednesday, those numbers are going to be so much different when we record our podcast next week, which will be fun to kind of compare and contrast. So yeah, mm -hmm. add in next week and looks good. Okay, here we go, Camilla. Requested. Oh, good. Thank you. What I don't have, I didn't do the moving five hundred millibar map, which which I prefer, but it just I, I thought this would show it a little bit yeah, better. Yeah, it's probably better. This is from last night's Euro because I was working, you know, later. Um, right now we have kind of this splittish flow. This is at 500 millibars. So it's 18,000 feet. We're not way up a jet stream level really, but it shows the flow mm -hmm. and the, that kind of the polar jet, the real cold stuff is up to our North. And so we've got this little upper level low offshore. Oh, this is, I'm sorry, this is for Friday. So this is what's there's, there's an upper level low that's going to drop down towards California. So this splitty flow, not much is happening. we got some nice weather. Jeff, did you have to add more clouds maybe into Thursday? Oh, I'm sorry, Friday. So what I did was, I was Thursday. concerned. No, Thursday kept Thursday about as normal. Friday kept the 60. Saturday, I think we're going to clear out Friday afternoon mm -hmm. at about 60. With the clear skies going into Saturday night, I'm worried about an inversion and some fog forming and temperatures falling into the 30s. So I did drop the high for Saturday down to 58. Don't hate me, Mark. No, but I was the one that raised it and maybe shouldn't have. We'll see. We can, you know, you don't worry about it. You go home and Camilla and I will take things out. To, we'll take things over for this afternoon and we'll let you know. You'll find out tomorrow morning when you show up what, what we did. Okay. Wait, no, you're going to text me what happened. You're going to, I know you're going to, well, I'll check the email too. Yeah, I know as soon as you wake up from your afternoon nap, you're checking that email. Oh, man. Although, you know what, Camilla, I have noticed since Jeff had his daughter, mm -hmm. he's not checking in as often. It's almost like he's kind of busy. It's like he's hmm. busy, yeah, doing other things. Mm -hmm. And I'm yeah. not napping as often either. Which I is bet. Yeah. Next yeah. 12 years. Yeah. Right. Uh, okay, so then this is Monday, and you see finally, for the first time in quite a long time, we have what I would call like a full latitude trough coming through. It's not a splitting trough. It's, it's, it's a nice dip in the jet stream, and that's right over us on Monday. That's our coolest atmosphere right in there which we'll cover in more detail in a moment. You know, what you didn't know, Camilla, was full latitude troughs was Mark's band name in high school. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's a good one. 
That's a good one. Full latitude trough. Full latitude trough. No splitty. No splitty, Mark. Uh, okay, so that's the uh, that's the trough coming through Monday. Now, Jeff, I did notice, I did glance since I got up early enough. I did look at the Morning Canadian and GFS. They seem to be heading a little more towards this sort of thing. Mm. Um, that the next one, maybe middle of next week, latter part of next week, you know, 28th, 29th, may not come directly over us. It, it maybe wants to dig, which makes me wonder if there's some El Nino stuff going on there, too, whereas we get closer to it. Is, wait, another one is... Wait, hold that thought. Camilla, okay. what, when you see that pattern right there, mm-hmm. what what is the first thing you think of? Is there anything well, that like immediately go for but it? This is also a different, go back to the other one. You're showing us a different day. Yeah. This is, this is Monday next week. Yeah. And then three days later, Thursday. Oh, okay. So that first trough Monday has gone back to the East. I don't coast. mean to put you on the spot. Yeah. 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 Uh, but and like the thing over Western Alaska has dug down kind of yeah. offshore like that. Right. But what, we kind of have a, what is she supposed to see a little ridge over us yeah and what i see uh, correct me if i'm wrong this kind of pattern <laughs> tends to bring in a lot of moisture that southwest yeah. flow and we could end up with an atmospheric river pointed somewhere into the Pacific i agree Northwest mm. and high snow levels again yeah because we're agree. getting that flow right up right from the ocean from the southwest i'm kind of thinking the same thing jeff that the different versions the last two days of different modeling there's either going to be probably a cold atmospheric river or a warmish one at some point, you know, Wednesday and beyond. What I did notice compared to yesterday, I, when I looked at those 12Z maps, they're really, I mean, at one point it was looking like Tuesday was, we're going to go into solid precipitation Tuesday. I mean, I had that on the forecast last night. It looks like maybe things might slow down as they kind of dig offshore a little bit. And Tuesday may not have much precipitation. That's why I was thinking about that, that cascade. Uh, yeah, I backed uh, off. I just added, I, I have mixed showers both Monday morning and Tuesday morning. Um, similar days playing out, maybe even drier Tuesday than previously. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. If you look at the morning stuff, it looks pretty. And I, actually the Euro, the Euro, you know what? The, I don't know if we talked about this last last week. I get so excited about this. The Euro Ensemble, um, uh, the Euro Ensemble control run, which goes out to 15 days, is more or less the Euro operational model. And I guess in the future that they consider those two pretty much the same thing. So it's okay now to look at the control run. The 6Z, the control run goes out six days. So the 18Z and 6Z Euro, you can look at that control run. That's more or less the Euro out to six days. And I did notice, I just looked at it, of course, uh, this morning, just before we got on this call. And I noticed it's pretty dry on Tuesday. It's just got a scattered shower or two Tuesday like those other models. So maybe we're headed towards a lot of showers Monday and kind of chilly. But then Tuesday, it's like, eh, leftover shower or two and partly cloudy in advance of a lot of precip coming in Wednesday and Thursday of next week, the last mm-hmm. two days of the month, and maybe. Let's rephrase what Mark just said. So I think what's going to play out is in Sunday. Yeah, yeah. A wave of rain is going to come in Sunday. It's mm-hmm. going to cool down between mm-hmm. Sunday and Monday. Significant, significant drop in snow levels are expected down to about 1,000 feet by Monday morning. Mm-hmm. So when you're waking up Monday morning, we could have at least a wintry mix, if not wet snow at times falling in our local hills. And heavier showers could bring that snow level even lower. Um, but during the day, temperatures in the 40s, we should be fine. So that cool showery pattern carries potentially into Tuesday. And then sometime between Wednesday, Thursday, even Friday, we might be flipping completely to like a higher snow level, maybe an atmospheric river, like significant rain pointed at somewhere in the Pacific Northwest. It's hard to say exactly where. And when I say cold atmospheric river, I mean, it might snow level might only come up to 4,000 feet. Instead of a eight thousand foot snow level, yeah, maybe, yeah. Look Hopefully. at this—the the Euro, the next fifteen days. This was the zero uh, Z 
I mean, there's a lot of precipitation between now through the first week of March. Mm-hmm. It's wet. It's turning wet. Get your dry weather stuff done Friday and Saturday. I think that's a big message. That's what I'm thinking out here on the farm. Yeah. Not really farm, but yeah. That's wet. <sighs> okay. stuff. Okay. Hey, Jeff, I did this one. Oh, no, you I, labeled it for me. I, no, I, I removed yours and I... I, I <laughs> Come I, on. No, actually, the only reason I did it was because you had, I think, zero ZGFS. I just wanted to bring in the six ZGFS. But oh, I, I, I get it. it. Yeah. So you improved on it. I'll give you that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, Camilla, I drew the yellow line, which doesn't appear to be a straight line. So pretty close. What this is, this shows the temperature up uh, at, at 5,000 feet Celsius. We use 850 millibars quite a bit. And Jeff, yeah, he added the new 6Z GFS, hmm. the ensemble average, which we like when we look at snow levels and whatnot. We kind of want to look at averages to see how the models are trending. And the lower line is, correct me if I'm wrong, folks, lower line, it, I was going for about minus 7 at 850. Yeah. Somebody just finished cooking something. I hear the microwave. That was our coffee um, machine. Apologies. Oh, no. You should have lots of coffee. It's good. <laughs> <laughs> Memorable uh, moments. So the lo- the lower line basically is, hey, minus 7 at 850. That's kind of on onshore flow. That's kind of our cutoff for like, okay, snow could stick at the lowest elevations maybe. If I don't see it down to minus 6 to minus 7 with onshore flow, I don't even care. If I see a minus 5, ain't going to happen. Mm. Isn't going to happen, I should say. In the lowest elevation. So you notice there's really only one time in there where the average dips. And Jeff has it highlighted there Monday and Tuesday. Mm-hmm. If there's precipitation around, of course. And then the higher yellow line is for snow at the pass elevations, which most of the time in the next two weeks, that's the GFS. Uh, most of the time in the next two weeks, the, uh, the snow level is below that higher line. Most of the time, yeah. And, then, and look at the Euro was even colder exactly. with, with the upper. with the. It says mostly Cascade snow, not Cascade rain over the next two weeks. So we'll see. This could be a huge kind of, like Jeff alluded to, good base building event here at the end of this El Nino winter. Mm-hmm. Ski, so. skiing, ski, snowboarding. Or no, spring. What am I saying? Spring skiing. Spring sorry. Ski skiing. Ski skiing. <laughs> okay, let's pretend like I didn't say that. All right, moving on. Let's talk about model resolution and why sometimes we say the crappy GFS. I mean, yeah, I think the GFS has issues sometimes, but mm-hmm. part of it is the resolution of the model. And the model isn't doing anything necessarily wrong. So I grabbed these last night. So it's last night's run of the GFS, the ensemble average snowfall. And this just shows the difference in resolution. So you just kind of look at the big picture and the same view, same time. This is 24-hour snow. I'm sorry, it's total snow ending Monday afternoon. Mm-hmm. So we've had the big surge Sunday and Monday. And I guess it it added you know, one or two inches, three inches we have up there today. So look at the GFS and look at the valley. It's like, oh, my gosh, one to two inches in the valley by Monday afternoon, right? Whoops. Oops, sorry. Wait, they're two different resolutions. One was the... Um... You you pulled in the ensemble, so that's the yeah. GFS ensemble. This is yeah. the Euro, Euro ensemble. ensemble. Yeah, you know what? They are they're both the same view, but I, I messed up the the, um, the map. But anyway, it's fine. But then you look at so the GFS is twenty five kilometer resolution on those ense- ensembles. Twenty five kilometer. That means there's a grid point every twenty five kilometers. How many miles is that? Somebody calculate that quickly. Well, ten k is six point one, so it'd be like fifteen, fifteen, something like that. So 15 miles, that means there's a dot like on each side of the metro area or one in the middle and the next one is in the foothills around us. So that's the problem there. So it's just there aren't as many dots. So to draw a snow map like this, a contour map, you're going to see those heavier snow totals in the Cascades bleed down into the lowlands on a map. That's how it appears on a lower resolution 
model. So the, again, notice the cascades. What does it have there? Uh, I don't know, 12 to 18 inches maybe mm-hmm. by Monday afternoon. Look, the Euro has about the same by Monday afternoon, but with the, in the cascades. So they're both forecasting more or less the same thing, but with the higher resolution, then those big numbers don't bleed down into the lowlands. The uh, Euro ensemble resolution is nine kilometers, which is much better. So, so if they're remember. Both, yeah, so if they're both thinking the same thing, but lower resolution on one, it's going to look much rougher on the maps. That's why you should be careful. I doubt 2.6 inches of snow is going to fall in Portland by Monday afternoon. Yeah. Remember, would you rather watch the Super Bowl on a 90s right. Fox TV or would you rather watch it on a brand new 1080p smart yeah. TV, 50 inch? You're going to see more detail with the newer TV as opposed to the older TV. Yeah. Yeah. Which is why the GFS even- looked so scary on Sunday because I was seeing this this trend with that trough mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, silly GFS. Yes. <laughs> Take that with yeah. a grain of salt. And in- and we can rip on it, but it's like, it's, it's, it's okay it's, yeah. it's most times, but it's, you just have to be really cognizant of that. Or that, keep in mind also, when you have the lower resolution model data, that means the terrain has purposely at a lower resolution as well. You can't have higher resolution terrain than you have um, the, 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 the model resolution. Because, like, if it can't see the Columbia River Gorge because the points are 15, I mean, it doesn't because it's got um, the grid points. You can't have a grid point, you know, go down into the gorge, come back up between yeah. a grid point. That doesn't happen. So, oh, Would you guys they, agree? There are things that the GFS is useful for. I would say like oh, sure. extended like medium to long range temperature outlooks like mm-hmm. on a global scale or a regional scale like synoptic. But of if course. we're looking at microclimates with snow totals yeah. using Be careful. GFS, I mean, it, we have better models for that purpose. So Yeah. It, yeah. I usually future- reference GFS for like general trends. Right. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah. And at some point, if they increase that resolution, the, the ensemble resolution from 25 to 10 kilometers, then it should look a lot better, even if the model's performing just the same. So yep. and the Euro used to be uh, lower resolution. The ensembles used to be 18 kilometers. And now this year, you can see that just changed in the last year. Or so we just have better detail farther out in time. Oops. OK, then this one, this is kind of a newer one. Um, a thought here. This is the Euro forecast through Wednesday morning. And you can kind of see in the valleys, eh, pretty much nothing. By the way, Longview always looks like more snow up there because the terrain, it, it can't see that dip in the Columbia River Valley right there very well. Pretty much, I think the terrain is probably up around a thousand feet or so in that area, right? I wish we could see model terrain. Somebody could send us like a, a, a digital file of that. That'd be pretty interesting. But I've always noticed it always looks like that up just up to our north. So this is the Euro total snow through Wednesday morning. But then if you go to this Kuchera ratio, that looks much better. That looks like reality to me. Notice how the Cascades aren't much different. I mean, there's a same time, same model, just a different way of calculating snowfall totals. That looks more reasonable to me, not just because I don't want snow, but how see how it pushes the snow right up against the mountains better. Look yeah. at Portland and Troutdale. And look at the coast range differences. Too. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, the coast hmm. is significant too. That seems kind of low to me at the coast. Only two to three inches. I think that's unlikely. You mean the coast range? Coast range, I should say. I, yeah. I do like how it doesn't bleed. The, it doesn't bleed the coast range snow into, into the, the actual. Line. Yeah. 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 But as long as we know this, that's as forecasters, we can adjust in our heads for this. Um, Kuchera, I guess uh, it's it's named after a gentleman, and he per- he purposely did that for marginal snow situations when mm. it, when they're producing too much snow. Um, when it's like 33, 34 degrees. So yeah, and the, be useful. the 10 to one ratio always takes a 
10 to 1 ratio between liquid water and snow, correct? Mm -hmm. And it does something with the lowest uh, elevation temperature, too. The Kuchera adjusts for that, which in our climate is critical in this mild onshore flow. Yeah. So, so there you go. It, and I think, like, the general message here is don't expect a frozen big, you know, frozen event. You know, let no. me rephrase that. Don't expect a frozen metro early next week. Don't expect a widespread sticking snow. But if you see snow flying in the sky, don't be surprised either because um, we're going to be, you know, we're going to see a snow level down to 1,000 feet, give or take 500 feet. And with a heavy shower, that could temporarily lower the snow level even more. Right. Don't fixate too much on the exact elevation. I don't want to go into a rant now because we'll run too long. But basically, right. when we say 1,000 feet, that we're averaging that. Yeah. It, it might, a heavy shower might come down to 500 feet. You get an inch of snow somehow, somewhere. Yeah. Or... Or it stays above 1,200 feet, and at 1,000 feet, all I get is a dusting here. That could happen Monday, too. To say, like, the snow level is going to be at 1,300 feet, it just it doesn't help anybody. It just confuses people. So. I've even seen 750 or, like, um, 1,200. Yeah, it doesn't. Yeah. No. Okay. No. Um, so we are kind of uh, in this window now where every day that goes by, our chances for sticking snow in the lowlands is dwindling because the sun angle is increasing. Uh, we're getting closer to spring and more spring-like patterns. And um, so Mark has kind of broken these odds down for us. These are updated after uh, the last two years as well. So, yeah, what you see is after February 10th, um, in since 1941, that's when records began at the Portland Airport, I think the fall of 1940. Um, how many years did we get one inch or more at the Portland Airport? Which is a low snow location. I'd say this is one of the um, least uh, – What can I, I can't phrase it correctly – That one of the lowest chances for snow in the metro area is at, at these lowest elevations, bottom of the Tualatin Valley, bottom of the Columbia River Valley. Um, 16 times we've had one inch or more after February 10th. Nine times we've had one inch or more after February 20th, which we're recording this on the 21st. And after March 1st, only four times have we had an inch of snow. So that's a 5% chance. So by the time we get to next Friday, there's only a 5% chance of getting an inch of snow here in Portland. And I think we all remember the one time it snowed after March 9th. Mm. That was, remember, yeah. two years ago, April that 12th, April. 2022. 0.3 mm. inch. I mean, that was that shows the elevation difference here. 0.3 inch at the airport. Yet, didn't the top of the West Hills have like five or eight inches? That day I was on vacation. Yeah, it was something yeah. like that. Mm -hmm. And so, on that day, there was two inches downtown Portland. So did the weather, I can't remember, did the weather service record any measurable snow at the official site on the 11th or is that just downtown? Oh yeah. I have it here. Next one. It was on the 11th. And the, oh, wait ah. a minute. I'm sorry. I, you know what? I just flubbed this whole thing up. It's okay. Fail. It's okay. This graphic just shows the latest that we've ever had 0.3 inches the day before it was 1.6 oh, inches. Okay. That was the main oh. event. Yeah. yeah. That was the main event. And it was that morning. And actually the 12th, I remember I argued with them about the 12th. That was like during a heavy, shower right. that might have even been midday where it was hail and gravel oh mixed yeah in. The kind of pellety stuff yeah it was like convective you know where there's some heavy down heavy yeah because i think i argued with them and they said nope we're counting that as snow because mm -hmm. as i recall it didn't get down to freezing even that day the 12th and then uh in this one march 22nd 2012 that in the willamette valley i drove through that on the way to reno for spring break and there was like five to seven inches of snow from albany down to eugene it was crazy it was really heavy blindingly bright 
even though it was cloudy driving through that stuff, the roads were mostly clear, but it was really heavy, wet snow. And then we drove out of it at Roseburg. It was south wind and like 45 degrees. There goes Mark again, ditching town when it's starting Every to snow time. around yep. spring it's, break. Yeah. It's like clockwork. I'm getting out of here. Yeah. <laughs> like clockwork. So I guess the point here is it can snow late in the season. Oh, and by the way, you know what's not in the records? Last April, was it around the 10th or 12th? There was a morning snowfall, those of you in Clark County, and I've seen the pictures and I looked at the observations. Uh, some heavy showers passed through Clark County early morning. I think it was around the 11th or 12th, so 2023. And there was like a half inch to an inch or so from like Salmon Creek over to Battleground. I looked at the observations and sure enough, it bottomed out at 33 degrees, but the airport never got below 37 that day. So it was localized, but there was some April snow in the middle of Clark County last april so that was two years in a row so forever even if it doesn't do it again for 50 years people will say i remember when it snowed in april mm. yeah mm-hmm. don't tell me it's not gonna snow nelson you're making that up <laughs> it's yeah. not over till it's over well and it's tricky right because of all of our microclimates because like you said mark the airport that's a tricky spot to get snow but there are other mm-hmm. areas where it's a lot easier to get that snowfall in these marginal events True. Any of these marginal events in spring. I mean, I'm up here at a thousand feet, not, to, mm-hmm. I'm not trying to sound elitist and snobby, but it's not unusual for me at all. I, I look back at the records in late March and early April, most years there's at least a half inch or an inch. And then, you know, the, that afternoon it's 45 degrees. Yeah. I guess uh, the main message of all of these is we've never had a frozen city situation with east wind where it stays below freezing. After about March 3rd in 1960, we had a snowstorm with east wind blowing. The city kind of shut down for two days. I looked up the obs. It was really cold. And the high, I think, was 29. Was it March 3rd, sure. 1960? Yeah. Um, and in all of these, then, you know, a week later, it's 65 degrees. So it's not like winter continues. It's not like it's winter in April. I think both these last two years, we'd already hit 70. So, yeah, yeah. there will be some excitement out there, I'm sure, Sunday into Tuesday, sometime in between there. Um, and the most exciting part is we're going to get a ton of snow in the Cascades, which is really good news. And it looks good like stuff. March, we had more wet weather and mountain snow likely coming as well. So um, can't wait to find out how much we get. And we're going to be updating everybody on that around midweek of next week on our next episode mm-hmm. of the Fox 12 weather podcast. But thanks for joining us this week. Uh, enjoy these, you know, next few days of dry weather, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, before things turn colder and wetter. And we'll talk to you soon. So stop your waiting and hesitating and tell us, please tell us, 